I wanted to just start by sharing a story. It was um, back pre-Jesus days. I was at a music festival in 2014. Uh, they're just being a little brat, having too much to drink. But I come out of the Portaloo. There's 50,000 people there. Yeah, the port- who's been to a music festival? A few of you, yeah. Confession time later. now, jokes. I went to so many. Um, but anyway, I've come out of the Portaloo. 50,000 people at this music festival, right? And I hear this guy taps me on the shoulder and he's like, yo, and I'll turn around, never met him in my life. And he's like, are you Tom Sansom's brother? And I was like, I am, but like, why are you asking? And he's like, no way. And he's like freaking out. And I'm like, what's going on? Turns out uh, my brother's girlfriend, who is now his wife, um, has a brother. And his, and his name's Rory. We've never met ever before. And the first time we ever meet, he's now my brother-in-law, is at a music festival with 50,000 people. Never seen each other before. No idea what, he, what we look like. But the reason that he knew is he was like, man, you just look and sound like Tom. If you've ever met my brother, he's like me, just a bit shorter. I got the high jeans. Um, but if I shave my head, we look identical. But the reason I'm telling you that story is because he was able to recognize me in 50,000 people as being Tom's brother because I looked like him. And I I sounded like him. And I had this thought today, I'm like, we should look like and sound like we, we know Jesus. You know, someone should recognize that we know Jesus. Someone should recognize that we, we walk with him and know him. And just like my brother-in-law recognized me for the first time, it says in First uh, John 2.6, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. To walk in the same way is to walk in God's character. Obviously, we don't physically look like Jesus, but it's his attributes. It's what he spoke about. It was his heart, those kinds of things. And that's what it means to say when we need to walk as God walked. And the thing that I wanted to also say is that if we want to know how God walked and we want to know what his character is like, all we need to do is look at Jesus. The Bible says in in Colossians 1.15 that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, to see God's character, all we need to do is look at Jesus. All we need to do is look at Jesus. The the one way that we can do that, just being super practical in terms of looking at Jesus in his life, is is looking at the things he does. In other words, the, the miracles that he does in church display his love, right? His love for people. He loves to heal them. You look at uh, through encounters that you might have in your quiet time, through different godly people that represent Jesus, and through the Bible. My friends, the the number one way that you'll get to know what Jesus is really like is through the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, you're in danger. Why? Because you can invent a new Jesus. And no one wants to do that. You want to know the actual Jesus, right? An example of that, just being super practical again, 1 John 4.16 says God is love, right? So I, I take that and I'm like, all right, God's loving. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. We know this one, it's read at weddings a lot. It says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So when I read that in the Bible now, right, when I see the word love, I think Jesus. And so I read that, and I'm like, Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous. He's not boastful. He's not rude. He's not proud. He doesn't demand his own way. He's not irritable. He doesn't keep records of being wronged. He doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Jesus never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You see, so as you read the Word of God, you start to learn His character, His attributes. And then what you do is you say, well, as a child of God, I need to live like that. 
I need to walk like that. And we're going to talk about how to do that soon. The other thing I want to mention at the start is that developing godly character or living like Jesus is a journey. You don't just get born again, unfortunately, and then boom, you're perfect. You think like him, you talk like him. It's a journey. It's a journey. So whether you're a one-day Christian in here or if you've been coming for 50 years, you're on that journey and there's always work to be done. The other thing I want to mention is that living godly is not what gets you saved. Like, I just want to make that really clear at the start, that the way that we get saved is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it's that simple. You can come as you are. It might be your first time in church here tonight. When God moved in my heart and I came back to him was when I was at my worst, my worst. Morally, the worst I'd ever been. I'd made the worst mistakes I'd ever made. And that's the moment God chose to call me home. And so I want to just encourage you here tonight. We're going to be talking about godly character, but the the entry door is not godly character. The entry door is Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made. In Hebrews 10, 14, it says, and it, it, it encompasses what I was just talking about. It says, for by that one offering, which was Jesus on the cross, he made forever perfect those who are being made holy. In other words, he accepts you as you are. He looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ and sees you as perfect, but he's making you holy. In other words, he looks at you as Jesus, sees you perfect, but he loves you way too much to leave you like that. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just leave me in my filth, forgive me and leave me like that. But he started to grip my heart and started to transform me. And it's the same for all of us. And so I wanted to talk to you about uh, what this journey of being made holy is like or developing godly character. And I want to talk to you about why it matters. I have three points about why it matters. Everyone say godly character matters does, does. First one is that it was the way God designed us to live. You see, we function best when we're living godly. 1 Peter 2.11 says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. You see, to live ungodly actually wages war against your soul. The way I like to think about it is, has anyone in here ever done night shifts? A few people? Yeah, they're hell. They're so bad. Like, I still do them, and they're just... But how you physically feel, why? Because your, your body is not meant to be awake at that time. And so physically, they're hard, you can't think. You eat 20 bags of lollies because your frontal cortex is just gone. Like, no, that's actually true. Your reasoning center that says, don't eat 20 bags of lollies is the first thing to go. I'm not even kidding, it's true. And so you just, you're drinking soda, you're eating lollies, you feel sick, so you just have like one of those antacids and keep doing it. But. So it's, it's just terrible for your body. But that's what living ungodly is like for your soul, right? We weren't designed to live ungodly. That's why it says that that whole uh, pleasure is fleeting, but you get that yuck feeling afterwards when you live that way. Man, I had so much drama in my life when I lived ungodly. My God, there was a fight every second second with people or just there was so much confusion. It was just a whirlwind. That's why drama TV is the way it is. That's because living ungodly does that. I love 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Not just like godliness with contentment is okay. It's great gain. Just the other day, I was sitting with Sienna having dinner, like just made a simple dinner sitting around and I'm like, I just had so much peace. So much contentment. Contentment is the most underrated thing ever. To actually live a life where it doesn't mean everything's perfect, but you're content and there's, there's a peace to you is, is unreal. And that's the, that's the value of living a godly life. The drama takes a back seat and you have contentment. 
There's a peace and a flow. The second thing about living godly is that it demonstrates our love for Jesus. 1 John 2, 5 to 6 says, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. See, if you're a Christian in here tonight, we have a mandate and it's to live the way that Jesus tells us to live. And I, one of my, my biggest convictions in life is to not misrepresent Jesus. It's one of the biggest regrets that I'm so thankful God uses all things together for good. But one of the biggest regrets of my past is that I grew up in church and lived a double life. And when people would ask me, are you a Christian? I'd be like, yeah, man, but I'm out doing terrible things, hurting people, damaging people. So now my, the, the thing that saddens me most is that when someone goes, oh, he was a Christian and he did this, that must be what Jesus is like. Wrong. And I just wanted to actually say sorry on behalf of anyone who's been hurt by any Christian who in the name of Jesus has slandered them or judged them or, or looked down upon them or spoke harshly to them or beaten them down or given you a really bad image of church. Like on behalf of Jesus and the church, I'm genuinely sorry because it shouldn't be like that. If we confess the name of Jesus, we should represent him. And it doesn't mean we get it right every time, but it should be our desire to. It should be our desire to go, right, if Jesus lived like that, that's how I'm going to live. And we should run with that. We want to be a people that demonstrate our love for Jesus by, li- by living like him. The third point is ungodly character grieves the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30 to 32 says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. By the way you live, remember, he identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Therefore, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, or as well as all types of evil behavior instead. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. You want to know something that blew my mind? When I realized that my actions, how I lived, could affect the heart of God. Like, how you live can actually affect the heart of God. It can affect His emotions. That blew my mind. I just thought God was up there, untouchable, and He is. But to know that how I live can actually affect his heart in a good way or a negative way really moved me. You see, that makes me want to live a godly life. It makes me want to please him. I know that I've done things to grieve the Holy Spirit. But what I do now is I walk in, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry when I stuffed up. Why? Because it's not just that I don't want to do sinful things because I don't want to get smacked by God. It's because I don't want to upset him. I don't want to displease him. But like the greatest delight is when you hear God's voice and you obey it, and then you go to him and you feel his smile. It's, it's the most satisfying thing to know that you're doing what God has called you to do. I love Job 29.6. It says, when my steps were washed with butter. I love the description he uses, washed with butter. That's what living with the Holy Spirit is like. It's like you just glide. Like there's all this stuff going on and you're slippery, covered in butter, just gliding through life. But I love that. We should be, no, honestly, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be a buttery one, like a, an oily one. That, like, no, but it's true. You just have this ease to life, this ease to life. Like I love, like, actually, I was talking to Cody in, with this in the car. He's my brother-in-law. Everyone say hi to Cody. He's on the, hi, Cody. Um, <laughs> he, um, he, we were talking about this. We we're like, how, would, how else would you describe it? Like Job is sitting there and he's like, how can I describe how life in the Spirit is? And he chooses to use that 
that description. And that's what it's like to live pleasing the Holy Spirit. There's an ease to it. And so now I just wanted to share how is godly character produced in our lives? Like I said, getting super practical tonight. How is godly character produced? There is so many different ways, but I'm just going to share two. The first one is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. My friends, we can't do it by ourselves. I tried and miserably failed. And I know that so many other people did the same thing. In Galatians 5, 16 to 17, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing the things your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. For these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So a few things from that. One, it shows us that we're in a battle. The battle is between our natural old self before we met Jesus and the Holy Spirit who's now training us in godliness. It goes on to say in Galatians 5, 22 to 26, many of us know these verses. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, good, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have, been, and have crucified them there. Since, I love this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be, become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I love that. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every way. That is how we live how Jesus lived. See, it says that when Jesus was baptized... He came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him and remained. In other words, the way that Jesus did all that he did was by and through the Holy Spirit as an example for us that that's how we too can live like Jesus. The thing that I heard a preacher once say, and it stuck with me, he said, how would you live or walk if you had a dove on your shoulder that you didn't want to leave? You would constantly have your eyes on it, right? And if you move this way and you saw it started to get agitated like it was going to take flight, you'd, you'd come back this way. Or if you're walking this way and the bird looked happy, you'd keep going that way. And life in the Spirit with the Holy Spirit is the same. It's walking always with your eyes on Jesus. Walking and, you, and the way that you know this, you, get that, you start to ask the Holy Spirit funny things like, Holy Spirit, if I do anything in life that displeases you, make me aware of it. You start to walk, you get that little feeling, you're like, Holy Spirit doesn't like it. I'll go this way. Little things that are so funny that the Holy Spirit starts to do. You go to put your Coles shopping trolley back in the Audi one. You know, the little Audi rack? And you get that little, and you're like, okay, Holy Spirit doesn't like me putting my Coles shopping trolley in the Audi one. And you go back the other way. That's happened too many times, and I still test it. Maybe this time he'll like it. No. Um, but it's the same thing. So many times I've gone to walk. It's little things, hey. And it starts with little things. And then it starts to, and he's just saying, will you listen to my voice? You walk past a piece of rubbish, you go to keep walking and you feel the little, go back and pick it up. You're like, oh, and I'm 30 seconds late. Uh, you go back and you've got to find a bin. And, but that's what living in the spirit is like. You start to listen to his voice. He instructs you and teaches you the way that you should go. It's amazing. You start to live pleasing to him. It's good. The, the last point that I want to really just share right now is that godly character in our life is produced through testing and trials. This is the one no one really likes to hear. You're like, what? Can't it be simple? Can't it be easy? But so often God uses adversity to show us our true character. It's like a calibration point. Shows us where we're at in life. That's why hardships, James says, you can count it all joy. Why? Because 
God's trying to show you something in that time. In Proverbs 17.3, it says, The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and the Lord tests the heart. Do you know that all gold looks gold until it's heated? Then all of a sudden what happens? The impurities start to come out. And that's exactly what adversity and trial and hardship in our life does. Puts us in the furnace. Before you know it, you're like, man, why did I lash out like that? You're like, where did that anger come from? It was always there. Sienna and I this week were listening to someone and, and he said that and I was like, that is so true. That so many times we don't know what's actually in our spirit. We don't know what's in our heart until it's tested. And then what happens is it comes to the surface. But I love this. God gives this example and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests the heart. God doesn't do it so he can go, ha, you still got a long way to go. He does it for a reason. You see, God's trying to bless you when you're going through an adversity. Why? Because he's bringing those things to this. If you've ever seen gold be purified, those things come to the surface and then he, they skim the top off. They, they remove the impurities and then it cools down and it's more pure. And it's the same thing as us. So if you're being squeezed, doesn't necessarily mean you're making mistakes in life. It's God's trying to show you something. God's trying to help you. God's trying to show you what's really in your heart for a reason, because he wants to heal you from it. I, sometimes I go through seasons where I'm like, oh, Lord, can we just have a little break? Like, can we just sit where I am for a little bit? But, but I've learned to just be like, all right, things are getting hectic. Why? What, what's the heart issue that God is trying to demonstrate to me? What's the piece of character in me that, he's, that he doesn't like anymore that he wants to remove? Why? Because he loves you and he wants you to represent his son. He wants you to walk in peace and he wants you to, to do amazing things. One of the most dangerous things you can do is be like, Lord, give me more patience. <laughs> Some people have prayed that prayer clearly. You know what happens? You get every red light. You pull behind every driver doing 40 in a 60 zone. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just happens slowly. And you're like, oh. And then you got to sit back and be like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for my patience. Thank you for testing me. You see, Jesus doesn't want robots. He's in a relationship with us. He wants to do the journey with us. If he just snapped us back into being perfect people, we wouldn't have will. We wouldn't have a choice. All of this is a choice. It's a choice to uh, how you embrace things like this. See, God doesn't just make us spitting everywhere. Um, God doesn't just make us patient or, or humble or any of these things. He gives us opportunities, opportunities to show humility, opportunities to show patience, opportunities to show kindness. It says in the Bible, he trains our hands for battle. In other words, he equips us. He doesn't just do the work for us. He gives us the ability to do the work. And as you partner with the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what happens. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Who here hits problems and trials and goes, yes, Jesus, rejoice? It's funny because that should be our response. It's definitely not always mine. It takes a little bit of kick the door and then walk in and be like, all right, this is actually a good thing. But it's true. It says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance what? Develop strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, godliness is a sign to us of our salvation. Why? Because it's a sign. It's things that we couldn't do in our own strength. It reveals the reality of God, Jesus, and his kingdom to us. I watch how my life has transformed, and I know that I know that I know that I couldn't have done that on my own. 
You see, it develops confidence of my salvation when my life begins to be transformed because I recognize that none of this was possible without God. None of it at all. Can I just get the, the keys player to come on up? I just want to pray with us. And as I was kind of thinking about this message and asking Jesus what he wanted to do, I really felt that there was just some people that didn't realize that they can be made godly through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The day that I learned that grace was more than just covering my sin, it was one of the most powerful revelations I ever had as a new Christian, was that grace was the empowerment to actually do what God has asked me to do. I was like, what? Don't I try, have to just try and do that myself? No, not at all. But if you don't know that, how can you have faith in that? So how can you do it? So I'm telling you here today, grace, the Holy Spirit, is how you can live a godly life. And so in a moment, I'm just going to pray with some people who want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. I also just want to pray for some people, and this one's a, a little bit more difficult to say that's me, but it's for those asking for God to refine them more. This really should be our prayer for, for all of us. Guys, I, I'm so aware that there is things in my life that Jesus is still working on. And I want to get to heaven one day and I want to look at him and I want to see his smile and I want to hear him say, you good and faithful servant. With you, I'm well pleased. I would rather be uncomfortable in this life. I would rather go through difficulties in this life. I would rather go through trials to let God pull out the weeds, to let him iron me out so that I can stand before him one day as a citizen of heaven and see a smile and know that everything that he had planned for my life to take place would take place. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, see Jesus be like, look, you're in, but this is really what I had for you. And you missed it. You know, when I pushed you through that adversity and you said, oh, why is God doing this to me? And you just shrouded back and asked him to take it away. So he took it away because he's good. Then he tries to give it to you again. Why? Because he loves you and he's trying to teach you. And you push it away again. You're like, God, why am I not getting any better? Why is life still the same? And the Lord's like, I'm trying to help you. My friends, you don't want to push adversity away. You want to run into your prayer closet. You want to close the door and you want to say, Jesus, what are you teaching me? Lord, I love you. I want to represent you. I want to walk with you in every place that I go. I want to stand before you and be pleasing. So we just close our eyes for a bit. If you're either of those people, I just want to simply pray with you. So if you're one of those people that you're saying, hey, I wasn't even aware that the Holy Spirit empowered us to change. And you want to say, I want to, I want to accept the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Just pop up your hand really quick. Amazing. Come on. You can... Um, Pop your hands. We're going to pray in a second. Or if you're like, Lord, I know that there's, there's work to do in it. Jesus, I want you to refine me more. I want to be more like you. Can I just get you to raise your hand as well? Come on, my hand's up for that one. You can pop your hands down. Jesus, we adore you. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you saw every heart that responded to wanting to be empowered by you to live like Jesus. I thank you that to those who ask for good gifts, Lord, you don't give them a rock when they ask for bread. Lord, they've asked for you to empower them. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out upon them. Lord, that they would realize that by your empowerment, they can live a godly life. I pray that tomorrow they would wake up different. I pray that tomorrow, Holy Spirit, areas of weakness in their life that they thought they had no control over would bow their knee to the name of Jesus, that you would so fill them that they would say, hey, I don't need to do that anymore. And I don't have to listen to that. Father, I pray that you would fill them right now with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And Lord, I pray over all of us, refine us more. Jesus, we want to be more like you. Jesus, we embrace the trials that you send our way. We embrace the the tribulation that we walk through. Lord, as the furnace is for gold, heat us up. We pray, Lord Jesus, that every impurity would come to the surface so that you can heal it. Lord, we put our hearts before you today. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way with us. Cut off the branches that don't produce fruit. Do away with the things that are dead in our lives and make us more like your son. Jesus, we thank you for this journey of walking with you. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, that 2022 would be the most phenomenal year of our lives. That we'd get to the end of 2022 and not even recognize ourselves because you've done such a powerful work in us. So Father, I pray over every heart, do what you need to do. Give us a heart to obey you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 You guys are awesome. Jesus, a hand.